Ladies and gentlemen, Delaney's and Fellaney's, welcome to Worldie. Well, hello folks, welcome back to another edition of Worldie. How are we doing? I'm very good, thank you very much. Yeah, great, good I've, to be back. I've got, yeah, I've got Andy Roberts here. I'm here, hi. And back in the hot seat, back on the pod, Shiz is back. Hello, hello. How's it going? Yeah, good, good. First of all, where where have you been? You've been on your travels. I have been to the United States of America. Oh, a hot footballing nation. <laughs> yeah. To um, San Diego for very good reasons of employment, um, but more importantly, I saw some sport while I was there. Good. I saw some baseball, um, yeah. and I saw an Amer- soccer. No, um, um, I saw an American football stadium. Right. And for anyone who knows me, you'll know that the stadium is as interesting as the sport. <laughs> um, well, they do a very impressive stadium, don't they? It was the actually Americans. very interesting. I, I don't want to get into this, but I'll. I'll Mentioned it briefly because we mentioned the franchise, the franchise system a oh, couple yeah, of pods yeah. ago. Um, so San Diego, up until last year, had an NFL team, and the franchise upsticked, upsticks and moved to LA. Um, right. So there's this enormous, ghostly, empty stadium on the outskirts of San Diego, and the new team in LA, um, the locals have just sort of kicked it out of town. They don't want it because they've already got two, at least two of every oh. sports team already. So. The, the, the sort of franchise system of, of being able to move your team to anywhere you want on a whim has failed in that case. That's just ridiculous. Well, absolutely farcical situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mad. I've isn't had it? arguments with people who actually say they want to have like a franchise system in this country. Really? Yeah, well, because what they want is to it kind of removes the kind of the the elitism in 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 the in the sport if if you like you lose yeah. your Man City and all those people having the control over it and you means you couldn't buy the sport. That's the idea, but it's it, it removes all of the soul and fun and everything out of out. Of I don't English know game. how I don't know how you can easily support a team that is so transient. You know that yeah. you just don't know what's going to be happening year to year and who is going to be, and you don't get the the idea of having like a dynasty, like a player that plays for you for, you know, fifteen years or whatever, right? No, it's a terrible system, and, and, <laughs> and as everything that's bad, only America does it. Yeah, like good like point. Oh, everybody owning guns, only America does it. It's a fucking terrible idea. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think part of the reason um, that they don't actually care that they have a bad system is they don't necessarily mind what goes on on the pitch it's, it's about oh. a big day out it's about barbecue out your boot in the in the car park yeah, and then food okay. and drink for ten, 10 hours and then go home happy whatever the result it, so that's I, because all of their sports are shit <laughs> I mean yeah the, the, what happens on the field I've been to a couple of baseball games and, uh, there, there is something interesting about baseball I think and once because a friend of mine his, he used to be uh, like a semi-pro baseballer when he was younger Baseballer. That's fine. that's not how you say <laughs> it. Is stick it? With that. stick that's with not that. how you say it. Uh, but he, uh, he he explained to me basically what was going on, and with him there, like being my like personal pundit, it was actually quite good. So I had this. The guy next to me was with his wife, who clearly didn't care about the sport at all. Right. So he spent the whole game doing exactly that with me, explaining. And there's loads of sort of subtleties and tactics. So it is very interesting, but it's just very very slow. Um, I imagine when Americans watch cricket, they think exactly the same thing, yeah, and we obviously quite, like yeah, cricket. Yeah, probably. But yeah, so so the US was good then. You saw some good stadia. Yes, saw some stadia. 
One thing you did miss while you were away was the announcement of uh, the England squad for the World Cup. Now, we have been leading towards this moment for many weeks already. And when we first uh, were planning this podcast, we weren't sure we were going to do the episodes before the World Cup, but we have. And I think it set us up nicely because we've already said lots of things that have been proven to be very foolish <laughs> based on Gareth Southgate's squad. Or Gareth Southgate has proven to be very foolish for well, not going with our advice. I think he's been extremely conservative with this with this team, mainly because it's mostly defenders. Ten defenders. There is a lot of defenders... Right, we'll do a quick, quick run-through here, just so you can make comment as we go. So the goalkeepers, Butland, Pickford and Pope. So no Joe Hart, which was obviously one of the headlines the day before the squad was released. Um, yeah. I don't think that's a shock. You know, it, it was a big story, but I don't think it's a shock. He's 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 not been first pick at West Ham, and frankly, he's been dodgy for it's over a for while. Joe. What he's is he's done, he's finished. What, yeah. I, I do think so... Obviously, Hart was at Man City. Um, he was out of favour with Pep. Pep bought in. Was it Bravo? Because he played a slightly different way. Yeah. Who then got canned. Yeah. Um, it, it just sort of shows that players' careers are a bit in the balance based on the, the preferences of particular managers. I mean, not to say Pep doesn't know what he's doing, but if, if you don't play a he wants a, a, a very, spe- a very specific right? way. Yeah. I want one that can catch the ball. Because well, I mean, I mean that I, is the number one thing, and also stop the ball when it's coming towards the goal. I thought, Those are my two I thought key Hart factors. was good at Man City. Um, I think he took a massive knock in confidence when he got dropped at Man City, and it's kind of gone downhill from there, really. Well, what kicked it all off was when he swore in the tunnel at that England game, wasn't it? That was really the beginning of the end. Because once he got called out for that, I don't think he was ever quite the same again. And he also obviously made the howler against uh, against Iceland. And he's made howlers since, yeah. on a regular basis as well. Which so who would you pick of those three to be starting? I, I don't know enough about any of them. Um, they're all decent, youngish keepers. For me, I, Butland is the one with the most experience out of that group. He's played he's played most for England, but yeah. he's played like six times for England. I think Pickford has played twice. Yeah. Um, they they they're not an experienced bunch, but um, they've they've got um, which is not really a goalkeeping trait, but they've got youth on their side in that they've not yeah. been ground down yet by the England machine. True. Um, I think I think Pickford will get picked. Um, <laughs> Pick the Pickford. Yeah. Um, I, Pickford looks I've to me him, a little bit like a uh, like a kid at sixth form who's just angry at the world. Yeah. He's got that look about him. He just looks like an angry young man, Pickford. What I've seen of, of, of both of those, and it is, that is very, very limited, um, Pickford, for me, has been the one who's looked, just looked like he, he owns the goal the most, if that makes sense. He looks the most comfortable, but that is very, very limited experience. Yeah, my concern, as with a lot of these people, is that I don't really fancy Pickford to, to get crosses. And this is always the problem we've had. Of those two, like someone that's going to come out and grab a ball out of the air, I'd prefer Butland. But I don't know. I think it's much of a muchness. Pope, Pope's been very good as well this season. For having me. said all that, we are going to have 100 defenders on the pitch at any one yes, time, so you don't yes. really need a goalkeeper. So moving on to the plethora of defenders in this squad. Uh, so, so I was thinking, sorry, you gonna, do you want to go through I'm just going to list them, yeah. and then we can discuss them. So this is some of the positions you wouldn't necessarily put them in defence, but here you go. So, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Gary Cahill, Fabian Delph, Phil Jones, Harry Maguire, Danny Rose, John Stones, Kieran Trippier, Kyle Walker, Ashley Young. Now, I mean, just just before we talk about individuals there, I mean, obviously one of the big comments 
conversation piece is the fact that there's 10, 10 defenders. Cool. Now, we, we were discussing in the last one, we were talking about um, Gareth Southgate's defensive setup, okay? So he has three in the middle, and then he has two wing backs, okay? Yeah. Now, I think, and I, and I genuinely think this is what's happened, is he's looking at it, and he wants two players for every position. Because that that's generally a trope that people tend to go with when you when you're taking a squad, and therefore if you've got a five man defence, that's exactly yeah. what he's got. He's got. True. Having said that, if you've got three centre halves, I don't think you need to take six because I think five, four, five is probably yeah. enough cover for your centre halves. You've got some utility players in that list though. So you've got you've got Fabian Delph and you've got uh, and you've got Ashley Young, who can both play in a number of positions. Yeah, yeah I can't see him playing Young at left midfield um, I think all of the midfielders bar perhaps one or two are better in that position than Young Young used to be great in that position but as he's you know he's got he's older not, is he going to get a game or is Danny Rose going to be the pick for left back then I'm not sure Danny Rose has played a lot he's a better defender a better left yeah. back um, yeah. I'm just not sure he's got the games um, as with all these things you know the, the, the starting 11 varies throughout the tournament doesn't it so I expect most people will So I mean Ashley Young got experience as well I yeah. expect him. I, sus- I suspect, and, and and the personnel might not be right here, but I suspect, for example, you might see, say, Ashley Young up against Belgium because you're putting somebody with more experience in, yeah. whereas you have one of the less experienced left-backs, and I, I, I get my lefts and rights mixed up with England defenders these days, but say Trippier, right, um, right, is he yeah. right? Is he, but yeah, we have somebody who's... It's Danny Rose. Who's the other left? We must Danny have... Rose is left. Yeah. So is it just Ashley Young and Danny Rose? Who are the I two think left that's the idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In which case, then yeah. I mean, then and actually, that's that's fine. I mean, Danny maybe put Danny Rose in because he hasn't had that much game time against um, against Tunisia and Panama. But then you don't want Ashley Young going in cold against Belgium as well. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, it's horses for courses a little well, bit. Well, my but... my biggest concern is one particular horse on this side or donkey would probably be better is a Mr Gary Kay who has somehow inexplicably found himself in the England squad do you, I, do you mean FA Cup winning captain Gary Kay yeah. well t- talking of the FA Cup I think you can add um, Phil Jones to that category yeah absolutely I, I, I think Smalling has a right to be very very disappointed not because Smalling isn't great Smalling's no. fairly good he's not brilliant but, none, but none he's be- better than those two for definitely. me um, I mean it's a, it's a disgrace that Phil Jones is in there. But the thing about the thing about Phil Jones is that there's still the potential that he might do something good. Whereas Gary Cahill, we know he'll never do anything good and never has. So it makes no sense to me. He's very consistent though, isn't he? Southgate <laughs> probably likes that. He, he, terrible. He's he a four out of ten every week. Yes. He kept out the rampaging attack of, of Jose Mourinho's uh, Manchester United for, yeah. for 90 minutes for a clean sheet. It was uh, a real onslaught, wasn't it? The first half especially was, was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so goodness knows, but I just hope he doesn't play. I hope he's there to bring some kind all, of experience to the being squad. Well, he shouldn't play um, I'm glad Delph is in there we hadn't mentioned him previously but no. I think he's been brilliant this season for City and he's almost gone under the radar as someone who's just been really good every week so hasn't really gar- uh, gathered any headlines well I think he's not he's not always on the starting lineup is he so he's he's he, a guy that's he, more, been coming off the bench he is more than or... I thought he was actually yeah. um, I couldn't give you the numbers but yeah oh yeah, he, he comes off the bench as well but he's he's played a lot and he's been great actually yeah, he's the new James Milner Right, you put him in any different position, and he's going to do a do a decent job for you. All the way to a one-all draw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I think Fabian Delft's a good good inclusion. I think uh, Kyle Walker obviously is going to be key on the right hand side of that back three. Hopefully, 
uh, alongside stones. The, the and... one of those that stands out as should start every game. Yes. Yeah, and we were yes. saying that last week, weren't we? We were saying that he, I mean, he's the first defender on the team sheet without a question because he feels like he's like a legitimately excellent footballer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Which, is, which I don't think we have a great deal of. In, no. Certainly not the back end of our squad. I think starting the first game for me, it's going to be it's going to be Danny Rose or Ashley Young on the left, and then Maguire, Stones, and Carl Walker in the middle with Alexander Arnold or Trippier on the right. I think that would be my from that group. That would be my best bet for the back five, and then moving into the midfield, we've got in the midfield area we've got Deli Alley, Eric Dyer, Jordan Henderson, Jesse Lingard, and Ruben Loftus Cheek. There's a lot of, I mean, in in, in you're gonna shout at me here, but like, I mean, well, Henderson and Dyer are your only two midfielders there who have got that, that aren't rampaging. Well, they're the only two proper midfielders. Well, I mean, because right? the others, the others are well, the very attacking midfielders. They're attacking like, players, yeah. super attacking midfielders, and um, to to that extent, I think we look really, really light, which is why it worries yeah. me. We've got ten defenders when we've got basically fuck all in the middle of the, the pitch do we need a midfield I mean have we considered this yes we do. <laughs> we do need a midfield okay okay well your midfield is is your you know it's your, it's your Henderson it's your anchor yeah, man gone, gone are the days where we're blessed with five really good options in yeah. centre mid unfortunately but even even then though we made a mess of it by by paying lots of people like you know square pegs in round holes for the yeah. whole time um, I do but, think Jesse Lingard has got the potential to do a like do a sort of hybrid role in the middle to run up and down a lot which is what we need but also to have some guile going forward I think Henderson's going to do the running up and down which is good we need that but he can only pass the ball sideways but that's okay because his, not, his job isn't there to pass that's but not who's he passing to, to that's the question well, that's whoever, whoever the other, because he's going to have what, one or two other people around around him in the middle of the park. So he's he's going to have somebody there to pass to, who is then the person. Now, Oxford United had this over uh, when they had uh, John Lundstrom was the guy who was who was picking the the amazing passes out. Yeah. But then you would have, and he had a whole bunch of players come come in and do this job for him. Somebody who's sitting, kind of mopping up, if you like. Ryan Ledson has been playing that role most recently for Oxford, yeah. which is which is just doing that job. Who's doing the the the, the grinding work, p- picking out the football, and then give it to the fellow who's just going to knock up the knock well, the pass. What out. I'm not sure yeah. we have. So we, we've we clearly we've got Henderson or, or Dyer to do the donkey work. Yeah. Um, we've got lots of sort of good tricky players. You know, Ali Lingard and, and Sterling. We haven't got the sort of I'll call him a genius. You know, the person with long range passing yeah, ability. That's you what know, I'm what I'm looking we, for. We yeah. haven't got that. We've got lots of players who individually are very good on the ball and can make things happen on their own. But, but I'm not sure we got the player who spreads play and well, that kind of thing. This is why I'm very disappointed at the lack of inclusion of my man John Joe, because he would. I mean, you know, it is a surprise. He's not there. Let's be honest with you. It's a surprise. He's not even <laughs> in the five that are on standby. Actually, <laughs> poor old John. I mean, they, did you see? He was interviewed by somebody about maybe getting an inclusion and look on his little face he looks so happy and then nothing I mean his his lack of discipline and his wildly inconsistent levels of form over his career I think he'd probably put pay to that yeah, one, so. one one no, well, half half a good season is not enough um 
to 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 earn you a place in the England squad unless your name is Ruben Loftus Cheek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's that about Ruben Loftus Cheek? I mean, he's a, he's a form player at the moment, isn't he? And but the thing is, when when you're talking about somebody who's a bit exciting and you know it can create things like that, yeah. then then it's fine. But isn't he a bit similar to Lingard and Deli But we've got lots of those players, yeah. which is yeah. why which is why it's strange that you kind of take a punt on somebody with very little experience like that um, and not. John Joe. I mean, I don't think John Joe well, Shelby's yeah. good enough. No, I really would... don't think he is. But in terms of style of play, yes, he gives another option. I wouldn't have picked. I wouldn't have picked John Joe. But who's sitting there on the standby list? I probably would have picked ahead of Loftus Cheek is Adam Lallana, who I know I... has been injured, but he's that type of player. I was going to mention Lallana. 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 Um, I, 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 I'm sort of on my own, probably globally, in having never rated him that highly. He's he's and. This is without having watched every one of his games. He's the kind of player, and he, and he re- reminds me very much of Berbatov when he was at Man United in in a kind of highlight reel. You know, lots of touches, lots of flicks, good first, you know, passes. Yeah, yeah. He, he looks an absolute genius. But in the context of an entire game, I'm not convinced I've ever seen him do that much. You know, he doesn't score an awful lot of goals. He's, g- he's good in a good team. I think is a thing with Alana because that's why he's not in the England. <laughs> yeah, then. yeah, that must be it. You know, because I think. If he's if he is in a position where a lot of that stuff that he does is feeding Coutinho or Firmino, then it's really helpful. Yes. But if he's feeding that useful stuff to uh, to you know John Henderson, it's not really going to help anyone. Uh, so yeah, I feel a bit bad for him. But of all the players we've got, he's the one with the best technique, I think, in, yes. in this whole group. So it's a bit of a shame not to have him in there because I, exactly like we said, I think there's now like a gap between your battling hard midfielders and then forwards that are very dynamic and want to run at defenders. We haven't got anybody that wants to take the ball and pick a pass. Like Lingard and Deli Alli, they want to take it and run. They want to be very fast and dynamic. I don't know who's going to pick a pass. So so had his career developed the way we all hoped it would have done, this this would have been Jack Wilshire. That would yes. have been his perfect mm-hmm. position. Um but but you know, he's, he's he's been injured and he's been out on loan and he's clearly not in the squad so I don't, I'm not sure what, what way back there is for him no place for Captain Jack he wasn't happy was he no no he wasn't I mean no. and it, I find I find it interesting like he's taken some flack for his comments I didn't actually think his comments were all that bad to be honest he just said I'm disappointed I wanted to yeah. go don't blame him for that particularly no, exactly. whether, whether or not I mean you know everybody who did I mean I didn't get picked I didn't put a little two part tweet out to say how disappointed <laughs> I was but I say there's a, a degree of arrogance about that but but you know he's been involved in the whole England setup for a reasonable amount of time now I, I, I didn't think it was too bad a thing to say me neither and I think probably he realises now that his career is not going to take the route that he thought it would right. and I think that's probably why it's frustrating you know at one point he is the new midfield general at Arsenal Football Club who's going to play in the Champions League and do all this stuff and be a pivotal part of England going forward and then the Arsenal thing doesn't happen and then due to injuries and all this other stuff the England thing doesn't happen all of a sudden what is he like 26 or whatever and he might not play another World Cup no, he's always sort of stuttering into form, that, but on the on the way to his next injury, almost. He, he's, yeah. I'm not sure he's ever had a run of probably more than about ten games in a row without a problem. And my other concern with him is that a bit like Ledley King towards the end of his career, the reputation of him is greater than his actual performance. So when he does become fit, he instantly gets a place, but actually isn't. Yeah, isn't maybe worth not it really, at yeah. that point. Oh, that's a very good shout. Yeah, so that, so that's the that's the midfield. How do you, how do we see that going then? Are, are we really committed now to Jordan Henderson and Eric Dyer in the midfield together? Is that a lock? 
I don't, it depends. I mean, I th- I think we're pro- probably more likely to see those two playing together against somebody like Belgium. I th- I think we probably have maybe one of them in against the the crapper teams, basically yeah, for yeah. Tunisia and Panama. Maybe I don't I don't know. Yeah, but I, I think against a better team, that's that's what you start with, and then you bring other players in later. You know, I think to- there's a chance that Fabian Delph could move up the field and take one of those roles, and maybe be tasked with being a bit more forward thinking with his passing. I don't know. Maybe. And I, and I think that's one of the other the, the kind of the, what the reasons for the ten defenders is also a bit of a red herring because there's so many attacking players yeah. in there, and and the setup. And we were talking, you were saying this before, so I, the setup that the South seems puts us in makes us massively flexible yeah um and so he can and he can move people forward and backwards and things like that so it isn't it's more of a fluid lineup and into the forwards so this is where we actually have a nice little mix of some quality players harry kane marcus rashford raheem sterling jamie vardy and danny welbeck so I think Danny's Danny's very lucky to be in this. I'm team. surprised to see his name. Yeah. yeah. Um. I'm not convinced he's played much or done a lot all season. Actually, it's a funny one, Danny Welbeck, because he's been coming off the bench for for Arsenal and making you know small small inroads to to the opposition. But out of that group, he is a player that that can be a bit of a hold up player, can be a big man, and maybe offer some you know some pressing and defensive work up the field that the other guys aren't going to do perhaps yeah i think watching the cup final um showed that rashford for, for all his abilities a long long way away from being a front a, a, a main front man one of the pundits made that exact point it was um, a very defensive Chelsea team he was up against. But as well. the, and, and, and that's exactly what England are going to yes. face, particularly against Tunisia and Panama. And you're right, he wasn't effective in that kind of setup. Sorry, go on. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. He, and again, it, it, all I'm just repeating is what a BBC pundit said, but he's better running down the right, cutting in, you know, making a nuisance about. He's, he's not the man to be up top in the middle as a target. That That's not seemingly where his strength is but thankfully for England we have the options to allow him to do that I Um, really like those striking options to be honest and I think it probably is good to have a more physical player because although although Kane and Vardy are can be physical they're not players that get into fights with defenders right they're not players that are going to bully a defender they'll they'll bully them with their skill but they're not physically going to bully them and I think that's one thing that Welbeck could give you and we were talking we were talking before as well weren't we about about the option of having like a somebody in the number ten role, basically somebody kind of just just in behind um, Harry Kane, who's doing some of the more kind of business like work, if you like. And I think Welbeck possibly in for that kind of that yes. kind of football as well. But but you know how how much game time is he actually going to get though? Well, we'll see. But I think one player in there who will certainly be pushing very hard because he's in the shop window is Jamie Vardy. I think this could be a, a big World Cup for him. He's been targeted by Diego Simeone for a shock move to Atletico Madrid, which would be quite something. Is that true? Yeah, that, really? was, a, that was a rumour that I just heard today, uh, which is fantastic. And he is a very Diego Simeone player when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to next season, a front two of uh, Diego Costa and Jamie Vardy. I mean, I, I Jamie, he's... He will. We've said this before, but he will do a job at some point for England. He will be needed at some point, you would think, and he will probably pop up and score a goal. In that friendly the like, other day, when he scored that goal from that quick free kick, I thought that is fucking quality. Yes, it like was. just the, the ability to just have one chance and finish it. Yeah, that is something very rare. We we have got a lot of players that you know, Vardy, Sterling, Rashford. We we always say these are the kind of players you bring on after. 70 minutes because they can sort of change a game at that point I wonder if we'd be better just starting the game with five or six 
and then bringing all of these guys on in the second <laughs> yeah, half yeah. to make a difference. Yeah, it's going to be. I, I, it's, it is interesting. This this squad. I think. I think we are going to be. We should be solid at the back. I mean, there's no accounting for individual errors, obviously, but just given the sheer number of people and the diversity of skills that are in that lineup, I think we should have enough to be pretty compact and organised against against people. And there, there seems to be a lot of general trust and within fans and also within the media, which is rare, that, that Southgate sort of knows what he's doing here. Yes. Um, yeah, people yeah. are sort of happy because he's happy. I think also there's only a couple of players up the pitch that the general public are excited about having. So I don't think, like, as long as he included Harry Kane and Deli Alley, everyone yeah. would probably be all right, you know? Like, I think the rest of it, no one's that excited about any of these other players. And, you know, everyone was joking about John Joe, but there was no chance he was really going to get in. I don't think there's whoa, any whoa, players... Whoa. Hang on. <laughs> hold on, hold the phone. I, I, mean, I, I don't I, think there were any players that are left at home that people are upset about missing, No, you know? They, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, there's a few, but they, they you, when people are complaining about particular players not making making it you just then have to like if you look on twitter all you do is click on their profile and you see they are a supporter of the club of the player yeah, you know yeah, yeah. um it generally speaking and this is what's typified this is something that Jono was saying in the last episode is that gareth southgate he's picked his side yeah. and he's picked a side that's based on what i think he wants to do he clearly has an idea about what he he, he wants to do it's not it's not a list of the 23 most high profile players um in england which which many managers have done in the past yeah so quite. what's the process i'm sure it used to be that he picked a bigger squad then let five go so um so it's actually now the the provisional squad's now allowed to be 35 so originally the provisional squad was meant to be 30 um which the deadline for the provisional squad was wednesday last week okay right. um but uh, he, um, Gareth Southgate, made a decision rather than doing the provisional squad and then culling it down at the last minute to the 23, he has announced his 23. And that's it. I um, mean, that's fair enough because there will be injuries in between, but now at least everybody knows what, what the situation is. And yeah. I, was, I was reading a, um, I was reading a, uh, uh, a piece about, about his decision to do that, if you like, and um, I forget who it was, so apologies to whoever whoever wrote it. But um, he was basically saying that Gareth Southgate was involved. Um, it would have been ninety eight. Would it have been ninety eight? Must have been um, when uh, the provisional squad was announced, and then when the twenty three was announced, and Paul Gascoigne and a couple of other players were were were, yeah. were not taken. There was all of this absolute hoo ha, and then surrounding them with like, like falling outs and things like that, and all that. And and basically, they're saying that this is a a much safer option, a much safer way of doing it. You know, you've got two games left in the kind of calendar season that could involve any English players, um, uh, and that's the FA Cup final and the Champions League final. Yeah. Um. So the risk to players is not massive so you don't need to give one of the reasons you have a provisional 35 man squad is half the European clubs are still playing football yes. and so they, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, you know yeah. they've got games to play still and like you know South American ones are like mid-season and stuff like that so so I think that's one you've of just, the reasons you've just reminded me now about that Champions League final what, what if Jordan Henderson gets injured in the final I mean, we literally don't we don't have any midfielders if he goes it's Eric Dyer on his own so that is a worry. But it is. But then, you know, with any of our players, what if they get injured in the first three minutes of Maybe the first game, a route. Michael Owen? You know? Maybe there's a route in for John Joe yet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Right, so we're going to take a little break uh, and then we're going to come back with more World Cup stuff. While I can dream, please. 
Oh, there's Terry Venables giving it the big one with that, the England song. That that guy has got some some lines. <laughs> I think that's the. I think that's probably the proudest thing he's ever done. I watched the video of that as well. It's fun. He's absolutely loving it. It's it's it's, it's wonderful. If what you, happened to England song? Where is it now? So they, we were not having an England song this time, are we? So Very the, the FA announced that they were not having an England song. Um, although. I couldn't tell you who the last one was. The last a World Cup, significant I mean. amount have been awful, I would imagine. I mean, I can't remember the last one, but I, I can't remember a good one for probably I'm, 20 years. I know Embrace did one, which was really, which was really bad. Um, Anton the Spice De- Girls did one. Uh, yeah, with, with um, Ian McCulloch from, from the Echo, Echo of Bunnymen. Wow. <laughs> um, and that, yeah, and that, was, um, that would have been 98. Well, nothing will beat the lightning seeds, will it? Let's be, let's be perfectly honest. Yeah, and, and, and New Order. I think well. yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm a world in motion man, personally. Yeah, world in motion yeah. is classic. I mean, that's a very, very long time. It's a very, ago, very good song. Um, I, I probably didn't appreciate it at the time because I was yeah. 10. Yeah. But I think in hindsight, based on what went on in that tournament as well. Yeah, um, true. It, I think it, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah very good. Uh, so we we've been putting through the various teams uh, from the groups and then the knockout stages over the last few weeks. And now we are through to the semi-finals of the World Cup. And uh, based on those uh, excellent and extremely uh, well-conceived ideas, we have managed to put through into the semis Spain and Croatia and Germany and England. So assuming, I don't know if we've got our maths right here, but let's assume we've got it right. A lot's happened since I I was last here. I know. Assuming we've got it right, uh, we've got Spain versus Croatia. Neil, what, what would you... So this is a well two, two incredibly technically gifted and skillful teams. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of buzz going into this game. People are going to expect an absolutely incredible game of football. They're not going to get it, I'm afraid. Oh. <laughs> um, it's, it's going to be really tight, nervous, lots of sort of petty fouls, um, oh, not really much flow. Um, it's all going to hinge on an incident in the second half. Um, right. Sergio Ramos is going to bring down Rakitic. Is he shit again? Going through again? on goal, yeah, just outside the area. <laughs> right. Um, he's clean through, and Ramos just takes him out. So Ramos is sent off, which oh. I'm very pleased to see. Oh, that would um, be beautiful. Up steps Luka Modric yeah. in the 82nd minute with a free kick. Top corner oh my to goodness. win it 1-0. It's going to be wow. glorious. Croatia through to their first World Cup final. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like quite the game. And how does how how, how is Ramos in the post-match interview? Um, I don't know. <laughs> on fire. <laughs> literally on literally fire. Literally on fire. Well, that would be amazing. I'd love to see that. I really would. I mean, I can imagine that in some of these games, based on what's been going on in the Champions League, especially for the last couple of seasons, the amount of nonsense and shit housing yep. that will happen will be quite high. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few nasty, niggly games in there. And, you know, there's no guarantee of quality football. No, I, I think you need that as well. It all adds to the, the entertainment value of a tournament, I think, to get a few incidents like that. Yeah, definitely. I love it. That's, yeah. that's, that's, half, that's, half, that's what livens up Saudi Arabia versus <laughs> Russia. <you know? laughs> and so, Andy, you've got a much more traditional tie, a tie that we've seen a few times in the past, uh, to extremely uh, entertaining results, Germany versus England. 
Um, Just before we start on this, um, I heard the other day. Sorry, Andy. Please. <laughs> no, no, you're right, you carry on. So Manuel Neuer is is in the squad, having been injured and not played since September. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting you're saying that because that comes straight into my prediction. Ah, no, no, no space for Timo Horn then, I suppose. I don't know who that is. No, I think he's another German goalkeeper, but he's just <laughs> got a good name, so I wanted to say it. Um, so Germany are actually have a, are actually going to have a really bad tournament. Okay, they're going to pick up a lot of injuries. Um, they're going to there's going to be some really really nasty games and uh, some red cards all over the shop. Yeah. Um, I'm predicting the German people to revolt against Ozil after his uh, relationship with uh, Erdogan. Do the, the Germans day. dislike him as much as most Brits do? I think this Erdogan thing didn't help. What he, happened? Well, he put a picture on his Instagram of him and I think Sammy Kadera like hanging out with Erdogan, like yay! And all of the liberal Germans are like, "Well, that's bullshit." So I don't think he's going to be the most popular chap. Yeah, they're pretty good at calling out a wanker up yeah. the Germans. <laughs> yes. Right. yes. Um, fair play. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So I think I think um, yeah. So they're going. They're going. But obviously they end up in the semi-finals because that's what happens, even yeah. if they're. Terrible, they will be in the semi-finals. Sure, yeah. um, so they're going. They're going to be low on manpower because they'll have had red cards and in injuries and, and all kinds of things. Um, England, on the other hand, I mean, we're going to breeze through. We had Japan and stuff. We we beat yeah. the might of Japan on the way through <laughs> to the semi-finals. I think here. Poland and Japan were the teams that we yeah. finished to um, knock off. And it is going to be it is going to be a uh, an exciting. Uh, end-to-end game, but it is going to. It's basically going to go down to like the 87th minute. Oh. And it's going, we're going to have had like balls clearing, cleared off the lines, all kinds of right, things. Okay. Um, VAR. Uh, well, the, no, so this is this is this is how the game is going to end. <laughs> you see, um, and and I have I have no details on right. it. Um, but Jamie Vardy is going to be involved okay. in some kind of altercation in the penalty area. There is going to be an absolute almighty uproar it's going to go to VAR and nobody will there will be 101 possible different permutations as to what could actually have happened <laughs> the the VAR referee will get it wrong right and give England a penalty in a reverse of every other thing yeah. that's ever happened to England before so so Jamie Vardy will have done something bad right okay, okay. um the one outcome that there shouldn't have been would be in England penalty. We get the penalty. We score the penalty. Amazing. We're through to the World Cup final. Oh, my word. And who knocks that? Does, does Vardy then step up and knock the pen in himself? I don't know. Unconfirmed. I think your clairvoyance doesn't reach yeah, those levels. It doesn't. Well, there we go. And that would create a uh, first-time Croatia versus England World Cup final. Can we start our predictions again? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, think it's, I think it's nailed on. What to happened to every it. team outside of Europe as well? I think pre-quarters, we lost them all. Uh, we, yeah, we, we, lost, we lost a lot of them out of the group stages. I think Brazil and Argentina both went out of the group stages, to be honest. Yeah. Well, if they didn't perform, they're well, not going through, are exactly, they? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we don't make the rules. I'm just, you know, we just deliver the... Uh, we just deliver, deliver the, the bad news. <laughs> That's right. Right, and I think uh, we're just going to have a very short break here before we get into uh, some World Cup uh, stuff where we're going to talk about some of the stadiums, some of the locations and some of the info that we've now received about where the teams are going to be in Russia. So we'll be back in just a moment. The only thing that they have got is the big boy up front, Sig Thorson. Oh, oh my word. My oh. oh, poor oh. old McLaren there, delivering some very bad news to the studio. Uh, let's hope we don't get a repeat of that. But what, 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 what have we got, Shiz, in the way of information regarding the... We don't know a lot about Russia. 
I don't think between us but we do know that there are what 32 teams spread across the nation in all kinds of different locations so in, in as I do before every major tournament I spend man days <laughs> reading up on the stadiums um so there's there's about 12 I think um what's really disappointing is generally they're all pretty small oh. um there's the Luzhniki excuse the pronunciation stadium in Moscow so that's hosting the opening ceremony and is that, of, is that one of the big club stadiums at Spartak? That's their national stadium. That's the national stadium. Oh, okay, um, yeah. That's where the Man United Chelsea Champions League final was. Right, back okay. as well. So that's the biggie. That's 80-ish thousand. Um, they've renovated it for the tournament. All, literally all of the rest are, are in the 30 or 40 thousands of, of capacity. Really? Um, a lot of them are either new or renovated as well. So there's sort of this, you know, the new stadium design where everything's a bit generic. Yes, there is. There's one sixty-one thousand seater, and then nearly all of them are forty-five, apart from two, which are thirty-five. Okay. Now, now I was under the impression. Now somebody checked checked up on this, and actually, you can. I think the minimum requirement is thirty-five thousand. Yeah. But right. I was convinced, absolutely convinced, that they had to be forty thousand because maybe it's maybe it's the England bid uh, that we were putting together. We were making all of our stadiums minimum forty thousand. I don't know, but. Either way, th- two thirty-five thousand seat stadiums at the it World does Cup seem very is small. pretty shit. And they're big, obviously it's a very big country. Um, so well, you know the shape and size of the stadium makes makes a difference. But but where it is, as you know, there's a couple of stadiums that are over a thousand miles from Moscow. So at, you know, travelling time is going to make a huge have a huge yeah, impact to this World Cup. Where, where are England going to be based then? I have no idea. Uh, we're based in St Petersburg, I think. Right. Okay. I don't actually my my Russian geography is. Well, St. Petersburg is not a million miles from, from Moscow, so that is not terribly bad. I mean, everything's a flight over there. Yeah, um, but also, the thing is, we, we, we being close to Moscow is fine, but if we one of our other games is in the stadium that's yes. a thousand miles away, then, you know, it's no good, is it? There, yeah, just, there's, right. there's one stadium, I forget the name. Um, it, it, was, it was a much smaller stadium, and they've renovated it for the World Cup. To do that, they've literally carved two holes out of each end and using scaffolding sort of extended to the bank of seats outside the stadium it it looks just awful it made like a a quirky news story look at this innovative way of of increasing the capacity that's bizarre but if you imagine if you sat at the back of that you're sort of outside the stadium just watching the game through like a letterbox in front of you Um, it it looks it's the most horrendously dangerous looking thing i've ever seen in my entire life um if any anybody listening has ever been to Priestfield, which is Gillingham Stadium, Gillingham have a a single tier um, temporary stand that's been in place for like twenty years on one end behind one end, which they always stick the the and that thing looks dangerous. I mean, it's just scaffold. The whole back is just like a massive mesh of scaffold. Yeah. Um, but that's one tier. This thing is like ten times as big. So it I've, is I've, enormous. I'm going to show you a picture of it. So hold on a second. So I've, I've, okay. Back in the day when I used to go to Old Trafford, I occasionally sat in the very top tier of the main stand and you're obviously a mile in the air, but because of the roof banking down in front yeah. of you, you can see the pitch, but you can see nothing else except roof. So you can't see yeah, any of the rest of the stadium. you're looking through a slot. Yeah, and, and part of the experience is, is seeing the rest of the stadium and the fans and you Absolutely. know everything going on. So, and you just miss all that. That was what the, the old main stand at Anfield was like yeah, as well. Okay, yeah. I, mean, I sat in there right at the back of that. It is it's almost impossible. You can't see the other the yeah. other stand. All you can see is the far touchline, and you lose all of the atmosphere. It's very Th- weird. Thankfully, they've Liverpool have completely replaced that stand now. But anyway, yeah. uh, so sorry. I'm going to show you. This. We'll, we'll add a link for this into the pod description. Um, 
So, I mean, in, in summary, for me, it's, it's a really disappointing set of stadiums, mainly because of the size. I mean, all new stadiums are generic, but, but you know, the amount of fans that aren't going to be able to watch games just because the stadiums aren't big enough. That yeah, it is. It doesn't seem quite right. And Andy has just shown me this picture. <laughs> so they, I mean, they are literally outside of the stadium. Yeah. They built a bunch of seats on an enormous piece of incredibly dangerous-looking scaffolding, and then just cut a letterbox in the side of the stadium. I mean, it's incredible. It is. It's fucking ridiculous. I'd literally rather watch a game on. I'd rather listen to a game on the radio Imagine than, how than sit in one of those seats. There would yeah. be. I mean, are they, they're not going to surround that in anything. Like, that is it. I don't know. That's the thing. Is it, it, look, it looks so easy just to drop off the sides of that Incredible. Thing. Well, they haven't said that. You've been, uh, you've been to the new Camp. You go yes. to the very, very, yeah, very yeah. back of the new Camp. Like, the, the wall that goes around the back is about three foot high. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. you're just looking straight down. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, yeah, very, very strange. So I think there's going to be some interesting uh, antics going on uh, during the World Cup at some of these really quite unusual stadia. Uh, do we? Did, did I think? Did I hear that there was some news about who we've got as pundits for the World Cup as well? I so think. the BBC have announced they've got Shearer, Lampard, Ferdinand are the ones I heard. Good, um, good. all decent pundits. I, I hope on co-commentary they have people like Danny Murphy. I think's excellent. Yeah, he's um, not some, bad, is he? No, some of the guys they have on the radio tend to be better at the co-commentary. So I haven't heard yeah. the full lineup yet. I think I've always I've I've warmed to Rio now. I quite like Rio. I think he's a he's a good lad. Is our Rio, and I'm quite happy to have him on the team. Shearer's, you know, you know what you're going to get with Shearer. <laughs> Very but they, little. They usually bring a wild card, don't they? In that uh, in that lineup, I'm not sure who it's going to be this time. Right here we go. I've got I've got the lineup. So ITV. Yeah. ITV is always awful. Can I make that <laughs> prediction very quickly? Um, Roy Keane. <laughs> oh, awful. hold on, Roy Keane. Kick him up and down the training pitch. Yeah. Lee Lee Dixon. <laughs> I haven't got one. Darling. Uh, Ian Wright, <laughs> yeah. Gary Neville. Hang on, no, wait, ITV, some of these, no, some of these, Neville. some of these are BBC, aren't they? Gary Neville, uh, no, yeah, Sky no. Sports, ITV have got him. Have Gary Neville will swap Sky Sports for Ooh, ITV. That's quite a coup. Well, Sky aren't showing anything, are they? So uh, no. G- Gary Neville, Slaven Bilic, which is a great shout. Yeah. Martin O'Neill, who I cannot stand. No, I can't stand him either. Um, Patry Sevra. Okay. Could Henrik Larsson. Right. Um, and uh, I hate her name. I don't, sorry, I don't hear the horrible thing. I hate trying to say this lady's name. Um, Eno, Eluko, whatever her first oh, yes. name is, Eluko. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's really good, actually. She is she's good really too. engaging. Um, There's a few unknowns in there, Evra and Larson. I've never heard them pundit ever. No. Um, Ryan Giggs, who's the most dull man He's on the planet. Incredibly yeah. boring. Uh, Mark Clattenberg. Oh, Battenberg gets a call out. I like the principle of having a referee on the panel. Yeah, just not that one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the BBC. It's the first referee that's got a mensch on the pod as well. Well done. Um, Batters. If you're listening, Batters, well done. (laughs) Um, So uh, the BBC. Um, Fatty. Fatty Lampard. Oh, okay. Fatty Lamps. Fat Frank. Rio. Yeah. Alan Shearer. Yeah. Uh, Pablo Zabaleta there you go wow there's one of your wild cards Zabs Jürgen Klinsmann oh yes Didier Drogba Drog oh, get the yeah. Drog he's had have you seen him recently he's got no hair on his head oh really completely shaven head wow. he looks ridiculous does he amazing <laughs> thanks man I love <laughs> that's going to be the main feature of his punditry <laughs> is his head now even just reading his name mm. makes me feel down and sad about the world oh, but then no. looking at his face does as well oh fucking Lawrence. Oh, Lawrence and he's got a thatched cottage on his head. I, 
I just remember which I think which I think it was the South South African World Cup, and they were complaining about and Lawrenson was going on for ages during a during a match about how awful it was and how difficult it had been and how boring the game was and how awful it must have been to watch how terrible and not you fucking wanker. You, <laughs> I mean, up, you are doing a job that. Like most people who are even remotely interested in football would give their right arm yeah. to do, and you have yeah. the audacity to complain Moment about a game it. being boring, yeah. you getting paid a lot of money, having been flown out to South South Africa to watch. What a little shit of a man! Yeah, Am I right that the, really the two is. channels sort of split the games to start with? Then when it gets later on, like to the yeah, semis, they th- both show them. Is that right? Yes, I think any time after the uh, after the after the group stages, I think they're both. Showing all okay. the matches, I believe. I thought they just alternated right up until the final. And then no, both I, the think, final. I think any time it's a knockout, they both show them. I, I think. hope ITV don't have tilts. Do you mean for England commentary. games? Yeah, for England games. For England games. Yes, Sorry, I see what you mean. No, I know. I still, I think they still alternate them. I think there, there comes a point to, towards the, you know, within yeah. the knockouts at some point that they start having. It's, it's both. just we, we haven't got that far for such a long no, time. Don't have to worry <laughs> about it. No, it's been totally irrelevant. Um, so Alex Scott. Who's uh, 140 capped email, England right back? Alex um, Scott, female Alex Scott. Right. Okay. I thought I was out of the loop for a yeah, second. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, Danny Murphy, Martin yes, Danny Keown. 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 Um, Keown was dreadful on Saturday for the cup final. The thing, Awful. <laughs> the thing I like about Keown is that he's so earnest. He's the most earnest man in football now, and everything he says is he, it's so important. But it's always the smallest thing, and he's like. He's always like, well, it's absolutely fantastic what he's done there with that throw-in on the left-hand side. Just by placing his foot just on the line, that he's really gained his team an advantage. Like, shut up, Keone! <laughs> um, and finally, Pip Neville. Oh, little Pip Neville. I don't mind him. He's no, I, no, I like him. Um, I, I, I felt sorry for him in the last World Cup, actually, because he... Um, He'd done some punditry before and was actually pretty good, okay? But they gave him an England game and he wasn't he he, he was, was terrible wasn't he he, he didn't have a great yeah. game in that and and he i think the nerves got to him a little bit and it was and he, because he'd been really good in other games and just wasn't great in that england game but obviously because it was an england game there was so much more focus on it and he got ripped to shreds which yeah. I, I which i think was unfair because i actually think he's a better pundit than that but well there we go so that sets up all of the uh, all of the pundits that we're going to be listening to with some of the locations i think shears i'm going to charge you uh, with some homework for next week to okay. come back with some more info, particularly about England's uh, training camp and their location. Okay, that's Just fine. One I'll... one little fact yeah, on. about about training camp. So we've yeah. had a little quick read through it. Egypt um, are based in Chechnya. Oh. <laughs> just how, like, how I does, mean, how does Putin feel about that one? I don't know. It just seems it seems like a strange. I mean, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's a wonderful place. Is to it be, still but... annexed? Mm. Um, well, that's what I thought. I, I don't think it's our position to make those yeah. kind of calls. To be perfectly it, honest, can a... we get Vlad on the phone and <laughs> ask yeah. him? But anyway, they're based in Grozny, which, oh, which okay. has been a basically a war zone yes, in the past. In the past. So it might be okay now. We're, sure we're in St Petersburg, sure did you say? We are. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I think we'll come back to that in a bit more detail next week. Uh, but before we go, I'm just gonna we're just have another little tiny break, and then we're gonna come back for any business, and then we're gonna finish up for the day. I don't believe it. David Beckham scores the goal to take England all the way 
to the World Cup finals. Magical moments. And maybe we'll see some of those in Russia. That was a moment, wasn't it? Was. It? it was an absolute classic. One of the best. As I was clipping that earlier today to include on the pod, I, I, I welled up a bit just watching it. Did, did you see how absolutely gorgeous he looked at the wedding on oh, Saturday? I know. I said exactly that. I said exactly that. We were at a barbecue yesterday, and, and, I, and I was just flipping through my phone at some of the pictures. I was like, "Bloody hell, he looks good." At one he? point, he sort of dipped his shades. Oh, oh. my goodness, dreamy! <laughs> what a boy! What a boy! <laughs> what a boy! Oh, the Bex, what a lad! Uh, so, before we finish up, any other business? I think we uh, we can discuss the FA Cup very briefly, Neil. Uh, I terrible game. It, it, Is that the best description? First half was was terrible to watch. All round, I'd suggest. Second half was was better. There was there was more going on. Um, you know, it wasn't a classic cup final because they never are, frankly. Um, you know, one goal won it, a pen, and and there wasn't much else to note. Um, it was a hilarious tackle that led to the penalty. So this, the, the discussion came up about the rules, didn't it? And that happened. Yeah. You know, my immediate reaction was, well, must be a red card, and it no. wasn't. And I was I was temporarily sort of flabbergasted at that but but the rules have changed I didn't realise that but it makes absolutely perfect sense to me if you concede a foul in the area that results in a penalty you have not de- you have not denied a goal scoring opportunity and therefore you shouldn't be sent off yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's a very the most sensical sort of rule yeah. change there's been for a long time it makes a lot of sense I, I would say actually that quite often the rule changes Yes. on the whole actually tend to make sense I, I think that um, rule is great because the double whammy of the red card and the penalty is just not fair yeah. especially if it's not a particularly you know nasty tackle or anything I mean it was a bog standard tackle right it was just bad and it's a penalty Yeah. He, but I think what surprised me though is that I was well aware of this rule because it's been around for quite a long time this this rule I think yeah. at least two years or something yeah, yeah. but I was I thought it was hilarious that the players were so ill informed like it was obvious to me, like he wasn't going to get sent off for that, but the players went crazy, and 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 the commentators did as well. Yeah, like it's it's amazing how how little that gets picked up. It, it reminded me actually a while back, um, we uh, Oxford had a uh, so this is a bit of like a game, random mid season game, um, and uh, Oxford had a player down injured, the fella um, who did did the tackle. Um, yeah, well, it was getting got a talking to. He got a booking, right? Yeah. Um, and no, it's the other way around. Sorry. Anyway, good story. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> you can tell I thought of this off the off the hook. Basically, anyway, look, the rule is now: if you get injured in yeah. a challenge that results in the player getting booked, yeah. right? When you go off, you don't have to go off after you've taken treatment. Okay. Does that make sense? So, because obviously, yes. you take treatment okay. these at the moment, you have to wander off the yes. pitch and then be invited back on. Yes. If the player got booked fouling you, yeah, you do not have to go off. Oh, because the point of you, the point of you going off is to stop people from pretending to be hurt when okay. they're not. Okay, and the point being, if it is bad enough to get a booking, then therefore you oh, you shouldn't have to go off. So that that happened in an Oxford game, and we were like, "Why the fuck hasn't that guy gone off?" So yeah. it was the the opposition player who got injured. We were all furious. Yeah, and then a few people who knew the rules <laughs> pointed that out, and we go, oh, "Okay, that's fine," but. Whether that rule has now not been implemented or not, or whether referees have just forgotten about it, yeah. that stopped happening. 
It's I like, think there are a lot of rules that were implemented but stopped happening, like the one about players not talking back to referees, which lasted for one season. It was supposed to be the captain only that was to interface it, it, with it the It barely ref. lasted for that season, did it? Yeah. They, they need, they need yeah. to do laminated cards, the, right, at the start yeah, of the yeah. season and say, to all, fa- all fans get one, and say, <laughs> this is how the rules have changed. Because yeah, we just don't be know. Quite good. They, um, just they, don't they know. used VAR a couple of times, didn't they? And what, what annoyed me, actually, um, I forget the decisions and whether it even got them right or wrong but it was quite subtly done which is rare for VAR but, yeah. but you know the, the ref is talking to someone he, he's got his earpiece and then makes his decision um, the commentators just just, just absolutely banged on and on about it the fact they're using VAR so, so this, this, this <laughs> yeah. really good example of using VAR without impacting the game just got completely killed by the commentators to make sure, every, make sure everybody knew that VAR was going on and yeah. what was it there was, I mean, there was there was there was one there was one call that they would. It was like an offside call that, that, that they went to VAR. But the uh, the Chelsea keeper was injured um, yes, at the time, right. and and so it looked like this was really kind of really slick, really slickly, wonderfully done. But we were stood around waiting anyway right. because the keeper okay. was injured. Had the keeper not been injured, we would have been stood around watching this going, "Come yeah, on, mate, okay. get on with it." Um, and it, all it would have done was confirm that the linesman was right that the fella was offside. Yeah. Um, because the ball ended up in the back of the net. That was the Sanchez goal, yeah. Yeah, and so all of that was fine, and it all worked well. It meshed together. It worked well, really, really well. But if the ref, if the linesman had got it wrong, what would have happened then is that the ref would have gone, "All oh, right, just without any, you know, without any kind of fanfare or whatsoever, would have just gone." Yeah, and pointed to the, it's a goal, everybody, and then everybody's denied their right to celebrate that exactly. goal. Exactly. Well, let's not get no, into the okay. details of why VAR is a terrible idea, but we will discuss that next week because VAR will be in the World Cup, so we should probably give it some some airtime maybe next week. Uh, right, and the last thing on the docket today is the final game of the uh, uh, of the regular football season, which is the Champions League final coming up next Saturday. Uh, final thoughts on that, gents? I am I am a vehement anti Liverpool um, football supporter. I I can't stand it. It's not it's not them. It's their fans who just drive me up the wall. I'm I, sorry. No beef with Jono. He's a lovely fella. Um, but, but if you're going to say that you're going to support Real Madrid, no, hang on. No, you're, 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 listen. Hear uh, me out. Be, um, no, hear me out. Hear me out. Kick him on the train. <laughs> yeah, get Roy. No, hear you. me out. Hands so, off the table, side. Don't flip it. <laughs> I'm a I, I, in in everything they're they're just unbearable Liverpool supporters and if they win the the champions they never fucking shut up about it. Um, having said that, there's something eminently likable about this Liverpool team. What I've seen of them, they they've got a lot of likable players. Um, there's almost like an innocent enthusiasm about them. Um, it's almost like a naive enthusiasm. I love the way they're shit at defending. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I love Mo Salah. I think he's a wonderful footballer and he's a great person. He seems like a nice chap. That stuff with his daughter on the pitch at the end yeah, of the season yeah. was fucking brilliant. Yeah. And so as much as I really dislike Liverpool supporters, um, there's something quite there's quite a lot to like about this Liverpool team at the moment, and and, and so that's sort of softening oh, my nice. stance. Nice, good, good. I'm very pleased that you brought that back around. I think a lot of that thing about that makes Liverpool likable at the moment is down to Klopp as well, because he yeah, seems like very a very much. nice chap and a likable bloke. So I think that helps, and that's instilled in the players as well, because there's not that many twats on the team on the team, which helps. I think. Yeah, it should be an interesting one to watch because for for all the reasons you've just mentioned, you know, Liverpool, you know, they they're young, they're they're a bit naive, but they're really adventurous and exciting to watch. 
Real Madrid have had a pretty poor season generally, yeah. so this this is enormous for them. You know, pl- yeah. players and probably managers' careers at Madrid are resting on this game. Yeah. So I'll be really interested. Really interesting to see how it turns out. I mean, talking about shit housing, there will be a lot in that game. Ramos uh, will get sent off. I really hope so. I mean, <laughs> I believe he has been sent off in a previous Champions League final. I, I think, think he has, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that will be entertaining stuff. And I expect next time uh, we have the pod, that match will be done and dusted so we can talk about the champions of Europe as well as uh, some more stuff about the World Cup as we inch ever closer to Russia 2018. And so on that note, I'm going to say uh, goodbye to everybody once again. I'm going to ask Neil to say goodbye to our listeners. Goodbye. And Andy. Cheerio. And it's goodbye from me. And you can find us uh, at worldypodcast at gmail.com uh, and at worldypod on Twitter if you want to get in touch with us. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye. So your your wall charts? Oh no! I spent ten quid on one. That's the old wall chart. You get them free in the paper. I know, but I spent ten pounds on. Who them. buys a paper?